Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. 32, verse number 24. Scripture tells us, first of all, to understand this a little bit better, the Scripture setting speaks of a man but you're going to find out upon reading more of this text and reading this chapter and upon more study that the man that's going to be spoken about in the 24th verse of Genesis chapter 32 is actually an angel now we're not going to go into a lot of deep theology this morning at the onset of this because we want to go into a different direction and make a different point today. But the first thing that we do need to understand as we begin is is that the man that is spoken about in Genesis 32 is an angel. And it's not just any angel, but this is recognized as the angel of the Lord. So we read Many instances in the Word of God where there are visitations from angels, but we read of special circumstances, of special what we would call theophanies of God, or different places where God came and met with men. And we understand that God was later manifest in flesh and walked among men. And we don't want to get too bogged down with this today because we're reading from the Old Testament before Jesus was ever born into this world. But at these points of time, God had ways to communicate with people and to do things among them. And so the heading in your Bible before the portion of Scripture that I'm going to read today will probably say something like, Jacob wrestles with an angel or Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord. And so... Verse number 24 tells us, at the beginning, Jacob was left alone. Anybody ever felt alone before? Like you were all by yourself. This is not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you this is the truth about what, what I'm about to say. You can go through things in your life and... Even though it feels like you know so many people, you you get your Facebook out and you have hundreds of friends, you have people you went to school with, people you go to church with, family members, but there are some times in your life you get yourself in situations where it don't matter how many people you're acquainted with, you feel alone. But Sparks, have you felt alone? I've felt alone before. I felt like I was forsaken by everybody, that, that nobody knew who I was, that nobody knew where I was at, that God didn't know where I was, but I was in this big old world by myself, all alone. And it tells us in verse number 24 that there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. 
Okay, so here we are. I want you to understand this as we read today. That Jacob was left alone and there wrestled an angel of the Lord with him until the breaking of the day. And verse 25 says, And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, speaking of the angel of the Lord or of that man that was wrestling with Jacob, it says that he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And verse 26, he said, speaking of the man or the angel, said, let me go for the day breaketh. And Jacob's response was, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And the man, or the angel, said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Now I'm going to tell you, there's a reason why it's very special that he admitted that his name was Jacob. And we're going to discuss that here in a little bit. But he said, My name's Jacob. And he said, or the angel, said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and has prevailed. So for all of you new to living for God and new to the Word of God, you learned something new today. Where did Israel come from? Right here, Bishop Pitts, as a man named Jacob wrestled with an angel. He said, Thou hast power with God and with men, and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And the man looked and said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? But then he did something. It said he blessed him there. Somebody say there. He blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved I'm asking you how would you love to see God face to face today that'd be a welcome sign to someone who feels all alone in the midst of a trial in the midst of their battle of their valley to have the testimony that you've seen God face to face I wish you would lay your Bibles down now and I'm really going to need some help today because as much as we want to see God move in our life, there are forces that would love to see you stay the same way that you are. But I serve a God that's much bigger. And I'm asking a church to bind with me in prayer right now and ask God to help us. Would you begin? Lift your voice in prayer. Lord, we thank you, God. We need you today, Jesus. Could I get a church that would help me pray right now? I can't do it without you. Come on, can I get a church and lift your voice right now? Would you lift your voice loud right now and help? I'm not trying to hype you up. We're trying to create an atmosphere right now. Would you lift your voice loud in this house? Would somebody pray and cry out to the Lord? Where His Spirit is, there's liberty. God bless you. 
You may be seated. It has been said that we are not physical beings having a spiritual experience. But we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Now, I want you to listen to what I said. We've heard Pastor quote this recently, I believe. We are not physical beings having a spiritual experience, but we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. I want to go ahead at the onset today and give a little bit more understanding to what really happens in this world. And that is that we need to understand something about this Bible. And I want us to look at it today and understand that this Bible is not a book full of stories about men. Now you say, well, Brother Smith, I believe it is because there's stories of men like Noah, men like Jonah, men like David, men like Peter and Paul, and there are a lot of people in this Bible. But the Bible is not a book full of stories about men. The Bible is a book full of stories about God. The men and women mentioned in the Bible are only mentioned in how they related to the plan and purpose of God. It isn't just about us today. We need to understand that we are only the creation. However, the one that we have been worshiping and talking to today is the creator. I feel like so many times I have been guilty when I am in this pulpit of only telling people what they should do for God. I thought about the last service that I preached on a Wednesday night. And it seems as if I constantly find myself admonishing us in what we should do for God. And how people should seek God. And how they should reach out to God. And how they should worship God. And why we should pray to God. But today in my spirit, in preparing for this message, I believe that instead of me telling the people what they should do for God, that there is something else that I have been assigned to do today, standing in this sacred spot. And that is that God wants me to tell the people what he wants to do for them. You know what God wants to do today for you? You know what he wants to do for the people under the sound of my voice today? God wants to bless you. I said God wants to bless you. I am not here to talk today about how we need God to bless us, but I'm here to tell you that God wants to bless you. He is ready to bless you. But first, somebody say first, he just has to get you to the place where he can do it. He has to get you there. There is the place where you can be blessed. He can't give you what he wants to give you if you aren't in that place. 
Is there anybody here today that would like to be blessed? So the question is, is who is this God that wants to bless you? If we could only understand the greatness of God today, we have unlimited understanding when we even try to think about him. I'm going to tell you it's a very frightening experience for myself, and I'm sure it is for you when we begin to think about certain facts of this world and the things that are in existence. And one of those facts is, is that we begin to think, how did we get here? You ever stopped and thought that? Have you ever had your moment when you laid all the things of this world aside and begin to just focus on the spiritual aspect of your life? And in that time, you begin to wonder how it is that everything that we see came from nothing. Now, don't you stop and think about it for a minute. Everything that you see came from nothing, correct? It came from somewhere. Where did it come from? Where did it appear from? Now, I want you to stop. Now, Brother Smith, you know I'm just asking you. Where did it come? Well, it came from this. Well, where did that come from? Okay, well, if it came from that, then where did that come from? Well, it came from where did that come from? And I want you to begin to just think today about the actual existence of things that originated in nothing. And so it is something for us to try to think about and understand and it's confusing to us because it's like with our mere comprehension that we have, when we start to think about those things, we can only think so far, Brother Voss. And then our minds cannot comprehend the things that are beyond our understanding. But I'm going to tell you that the only reference that we have to the existence of God is when we study the Bible. And when we study the Bible, we learn who and what God is. And the first thing that we learn in Genesis chapter number one and verse number one is that we learn that he is the creator of the universe and everything that is known to man. So when again, we ask ourselves the question, and all of us have probably asked this, and we have said, well, I just wonder where everything came from today. And then we begin to, we understand from the scripture that God made the heavens and the earth and we understand those things and it's something that we've been taught in Sunday school and then we start asking ourselves because we're curious individuals, us people are, well, where did God come from? I'm here to tell you that maybe we don't understand just how powerful God is today because while we're the whole time looking for the answer of God, where did you show up from? God is looking at us and saying, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so God is telling us that, hey, if you're looking for something else, you're not going to find it. But when you get to the origin of this thing and you get to the beginning of this thing and all the unanswered questions that you have, you are going to find out that it was in the beginning, God, that I am the one that is the answer to your question today. Could you clap your hands and thank God for him being who he is? John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
We learn when we study the Word of God that God is omnipresent, or He is everywhere at the same time. Jeremiah tells us, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? God is omniscient or all-knowing. And Luke tells us that even the hairs on our heads are numbered. God is omnipotent or has all power and can do anything. Psalms tells us, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. He tells the number of the stars and he calls them by their names. And I'm here to tell you that God not only knows the number of the stars and calls them by name, but in Genesis, when the creation was being explained, I believe it's Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 16, as an afterthought, the writer said, oh, and he made the stars also. That is the God that we serve today, a God that has all power. Psalms 145 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jeremiah chapter 10 says, There is none like you, O Lord. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God today that can do anything that he desires to do. Would you like to take a minute? Would you stand with me? And would you give the creator of the universe some praise in this place today? And a God that's so awesome, I have a question for you today. And that question is, does anybody believe that God can inspire a man to preach a message? Because if so, there is a word that has been on my mind this week. And the word is breakthrough. Breakthrough. The word breakthrough has resonated in my spirit while preparing for this service. With a group of people this size, we would be amazed at the needs, the problems, the difficulties that are being faced right now, today, even while I am preaching. There are people under the sound of my voice that you don't know what you're going to do this week. I'm not trying to cast a negative emotion in this house today, but I'm here to be realistic and let you know that there are people in this house under the sound of my voice that you don't know how you are going to get through tomorrow. That you are dealing with things that have overcome you to the place that you are walking in constant torment and fear. That you're walking in doubt that you're not happy, that you found out that your joy has been stolen. You want to muster up a smile, but your smile is no longer there. Because as some people have made reference to, life has a way of kicking our teeth in sometime, to be quite blunt and to be quite honest. It would be wonderful if it was all so exciting and enthusiastic that we come in and we never have problems, but I'm here to tell you that we were born of a few days full of trouble, problems. Scripture tells us that, that there are going to be things that come our way. 
And I feel as Christians, one of the most devastating things that we have done in living for God, and I have seen this firsthand in my own life, is when people come in and decide they're going to start living for the Lord, somehow, Brother Jones, we paint the picture to them that they are no longer going to have any more problems in their life, but that everything is going to be okay. And so the, new, the newness is there and the excitement is there and all the things are there that they are, they are doing to begin living for the Lord. But then all of a sudden, then we meet up with life, Bishop Pitts. And we run into things that we didn't expect and things that, things that amaze us and say, well, how can I be trying to do right and, and, and be the person that I am? And I'm going through these things. And these things, we begin to face them and understand that there is a reality that even though God may call us out and separate us and save our sins and, and set us free, that there are still some things that we have to contend with in this world. And if you are not careful, these things will start dragging on you day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, till you walk in and you sit in a church service like we're in today, and you have the testimony that you are just a shell of the person that you used to be because all of your hope is gone. The Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick, something to that effect, that there is no longer any hope in your life, and now you sit here on that wheel of life and just going over and just, and just running in that wheel trying to maintain and trying to get by. And as we sit here today, going through these things. If you feel this way, you may be sitting here knowing that you need the victory, knowing that you want the victory, knowing that you need a breakthrough in your life, but you have a question for yourself and a question that you would ask me if we were sitting down 101 today, and that would be, Brother Smith, I ask you, is it even possible for me to have a breakthrough? Is it even possible for me to find the place that I need to get to? Is it even possible... And we leave like we came. And we testify. And we tell people when we meet them on the street. Brother Cordova. About how awesome our God is. And we invite them to our church. And we tell them how great our God is. And we tell them how God can fix every problem in their life. And we testify about all the goodness that God has. And we walk in. And don't receive any of it. And we have to come to a place today and ask ourselves a question that some guests may be surprised I'm about to ask to a church. But I'm going to ask, is it real or is it not real? Oh, well, Brother Smith, you know it's real. Is it real or is it not real? Is it real? Is it right? Is this book right or is this book not right? Is this book real or is it not real? Because I'm going to tell you, if we profess that God can set us free and deliver us and God can do all the things that we say he can do and we don't take advantage of it, then we might as well not open this thing up. Don't put this thing in somebody else's face and tell them they need to do what it says. If you're going to come in and sit in a service bound up by all the things in your life that you don't believe God can set you free from. Is it real or is it not real? The question that we have today, because if it's not real, then we should close up shop and we should say it didn't work. But I'm here to tell you, you've come too late to tell me that it's not real. You've come too late to tell me that it doesn't work. And if you're choosing to sit here in bondage and bound up today. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. 
Come on, I want you to understand. I, I, I'm, not being, I'm not being mean today. I, I'm not. I'm not. I want you to understand. I want you to receive my spirit. I want you to receive my spirit. I don't believe in taking advantage of people in the pulpit and saying things that are hurtful or things that are mean. I don't believe in that. Our pastor here, if you're a guest here, he doesn't believe in that. This is a safe place. This is a safe place, a place where we're safe. But in this safe place, we do have to come to terms and understand that the word is either right or the word is wrong. And if the word is wrong, then I don't understand why we're here today. But if the word is right, that tells us that no matter what you are facing in your life, you do not have to go home the way that you came. You say, you don't know how long I faced this addiction. You do not have to go home the way that you came. You do not understand what's going on in my marriage. You do not have to go home the way that you came. Because I've been there. I've been all messed up before. I've had my thinking all in the wrong places before. If you don't believe it's possible, I want to show you something real simple right here. Anybody ever been hurt before? Can I see your hand? I want you to be truthful with me. I want someone to see your hand. Because we're going to get even more real than that here in just a minute. But I want to ask, anybody ever been hurt in church before? Can I see your hand? Ah, how about that? And there's hands not up of people who've been hurt in church. Because we all go through things and we face things and we deal with things. And those things get in our spirit and then we respond to things in a way that is unhealthy, in a way that is not right because of things that we've let creep into our spirit and things that we have let shape us and a story that we have begun to convince ourselves is true. What is your story today? When your story walked in here today, are you the one that has always been mistreated and misused and the one that has always been taken advantage of? Is that what your story is? Or is your story the one that everything seems to never go right in your life? Or is your story the one that you were born in the wrong town with the wrong last name and that nothing was right for you from the time that you came into this world? I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what that story is. God can change it today. God wants to send you home with a new testimony, a new story with a new life, with a new way to look at things. Would you give God a hand right now and thank Him for His awesome ability? Simple things. I've been there before when there were churches in my town, churches in my county, churches in my state, and I didn't have a church to go to. You say, well, how did that happen? Come on, some of us in that situation, we know how it happens. Things that, things that are too difficult to even explain today. Things that would take too much time to try to explain. But we find ourselves in those situations. We find ourselves in times and places that we thought we would never find ourselves in. But it's in those places that we serve a God that I talked about a few minutes ago that is able to do anything. He is able to bless you. He is able to touch you. He was the creator of the universe and he is the one that sustains us today. We've talked a little bit today about the God who wants to bless you. But now let's talk about where he can bless you. Somebody say where. Or if you want to be a little bit more 
specific. It's the there. We discussed at the beginning of this sermon today that Jacob wrestled with the angel and that he what? He blessed him there. We again go to the Bible and we want to look at a portion of scripture that we read for our text today. And our text spoke of a man named Jacob, which means supplanter. But to put it in simpler terms, this is the name of someone who usurped the place of someone else or someone that uses underhanded tactics through force, scheming, or strategy. Jacob is most commonly known in the Bible for his cunning and deceitful ways, especially toward his twin brother Esau. Genesis 25 tells us, and we're not going to have this on the screen, we're just making a broad reference to this, that at one point in time, Jacob offered his famished brother Esau a bowl of pottage or a bowl of soup in exchange for his birthright as the firstborn son, which was a double portion of their father Isaac's inheritance. He took the inheritance away from Esau. And in the book of Genesis in the 27th chapter, Jacob also robbed Esau of their father's blessing, which had been Esau's right to receive. Genesis chapter 30 even tells us of Jacob's deception toward his uncle Laban. And that was even though Laban had himself tricked Jacob. But again, Jacob up to his deceptive ways. I think you get the idea of who we're talking about. And Jacob sounds like somebody that you wouldn't want to do business with. Somebody that was a little dangerous because he was always gaining the upper hand. But before we judge Jacob, I have a question for us today, and that is, are there any perfect people in this place? Because all of us have a testimony, all of us have things that we're not proud of, and if we're truthful, there are embarrassing moments in every one of our lives of maybe decisions that were made and the thoughts that came upon us that probably weren't the best thing to do at the time, because after all, this thing that we live in is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. So if you're here today and you have the testimony that everything hasn't always been like it needed to be, then I assure you today that you're in good company because we all understand the wickedness of the flesh and the humanity that we have to battle on a daily basis. But again, we serve a God that is able to overcome that and a God that is able to help us. After Jacob had stolen Esau's blessing, Esau then threatened to kill Jacob as soon as their father died. However, Rebekah, their mother, intervened and saved Jacob from being killed by sending him to her brother Laban. We could go into a lot of this story today and talk about these things. But for the sake of time, we will just say it like this. And that is that Jacob spent 20 years away from home. So we're leaving a lot out today. 20 years that Jacob spent on the run, away from the things that he had done in his past life, the dealings that he had had. 
Again, this is not in my notes, but I have dealt with many people who have had to run from a past life. People who made up their mind that they would love to come in and start living for God and do things the right way, but they know that when they walk out of these doors that that old life and those old things are going to try to catch back up with them and cause a hindrance to them and maybe even cause harm to them. Jacob was in this place because for 20 years he had been away from home. And in our text, without going into all the specifics of the meetings between God and Jacob, and the blessings that God had poured out upon Jacob, and all the things that had done, we will simply say that the time had come for Jacob to go home. Somebody say he was going home. It was time for him to leave and make his way back home. And even if you aren't familiar with this story, if you never even heard this story before you walked in this church building today, I guess you can know who was right there waiting on him when he was going to make his trip home, and that was Esau. It was the brother that he had done wrong so many times in the past, the brother that he had stolen from, that he had deceived, that he had dealt with in such deceptive ways, and he was right there waiting on him. It's amazing how sometimes things just don't go away in our life. We pray for things to leave and things to go away and things to, things to just disappear. But there are certain elements that God leaves there that continue to exist and things that are there waiting on us. It's amazing how they don't go away. And right here in this situation, it was Esau who was there that Jacob was going to have to contend with. It was time to face the music. It was time to face the one that he had done wrong so many times. The supplanter, the deceiver, the man who really like you and I just wanted his share. I understand the good qualities of Jacob. God understood those. But there were qualities about Jacob that said, you know what? I just want to have a successful life. I just want to succeed. And although he did not make the right decisions and go about the right way of doing things, there was something in him that just wanted better. And Jacob was now in this situation where it was time for him to go home. Esau was there, and it was time to go home. Jacob was going home in the will of God because God was going to bless Jacob. Jacob was going in the will of God, the mind of God, because God had already made the road map and the plan that the lineage was going to continue on through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And the world was going to be blessed. And it's amazing how even when we feel like we are following the voice of God, that we can hit some pretty amazing obstacles in our life. Anybody ever followed the voice of God and got out in the voice of God and the plan of God and said, what did you do to me, God? Because what seemed like a blessing and what seemed like the greatest thing that was ever going to happen in my life, I have come out and found myself in a wilderness experience. And Jacob found himself there. An experience where he knew that he was doing the will of God. Where he knew that God had asked him to go back. But he was still in a difficult place in his life. And Jacob was fearful. 
And prior to the text that we read today, I want you to look with me in the the mind, in in your imagination, and I want you to see Jacob, and I want you to see now that he had acquired these riches and wives and and, and all of these things, and they traveled, and and you you know, we can envision what it looked like in the the days of the Bible, and them traveling with all the the, the caravans or the the groups of people and, and, and the groups of animals and all these things together. And as Jacob was making his trek back home in the place that he needed to go, he was intelligent enough to do what most of us would have done, and he sent messengers to Esau. And he sent them trying to make peace before he ever got there. But the message that was brought back, Brother Cordova, from Esau was that the messengers came and told Jacob, they said, Esau's coming to meet you. He said, Esau's coming to meet you, and he's bringing 400 men with him. And he's going to meet you on your way back. And I'm here to tell you that Jacob was terrified. That Jacob was terrified. He was so scared, the Bible tells us, that he divided up the people that were with him. The herds, the flocks, and the camels into two groups. So if Esau did smite one company, the other could escape. No, I'm here to tell you, we may have been in hard times before, but, he, but Jacob was in a hard enough time. He was taking everything he had. He was dividing it up and saying, you know what? Maybe I'll make it out with half of what I got. He prepared many gifts for Esau. The scripture has a lengthy area there where it's written of the gifts that he prepared for Esau because of his wealth. But then it tells us that that night he arose. Now I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Because we have to put ourselves in the shoes of where Jacob was to understand what was really going on here. He's been away for 20 years. His brother, who had threatened to kill him, has been there the whole time. And in Jacob's mind, he's waiting on me. And Jacob now, in the will of God, to go back home, to do what he needs to do, has found himself camping at night with everything he has and two groups, not knowing what he's going to have left tomorrow, not knowing what's going to exist in his life after this moment. But the only news he's had is that your brother's coming and he's got 400 men with him. Now, there's something about nighttime. On a typical night, you go out and it's dark and you can't see. And there's something about nights like this. Because you see, I can relate to the night that Jacob was having. Because there have been those times, for most of us, I'm sure, that we've been in the house, and when the unsettled feelings were coming across us, we opened the door, the back door, or whatever it was, and I'm going to tell you what I've done. I've gone out, Dakota, and I've just stood on the sidewalk, and I've just looked at the sky. And there's something about those nights. It's something about, it just seems like it's a little bit darker. It's a little bit lonelier. It's a little bit more confusing. It's not just your typical darkness where the sun's not in the sky, but it's a darkness that I don't know what's going to happen when the sun comes up again. It's a darkness of unsurety and a darkness of saying, you know what, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that I found myself in a situation right now that I don't know the answer to. And after... The scripture tells us that he divided the gifts that he was planning on giving Esau. One last ditch effort 
to bribe him into saying, you know what, I want to make peace with you. The scripture tells us that that night that he rose up, that he took his two wives and his two women servants. And if you say, well, Brother Smith, why do you have two wives? I'm not very good. I'm not, I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm telling you, go home and read about Jacob. You'll learn some interesting things. But he took his two wives. He took his women servants, his 11 sons, and passed over the brook Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent all that he had. And verse number 24, if we can get it on the screen one more time, verse number 24 of Genesis 32, we're going to walk through this again. We catch up to our text. In the nighttime hour, Jacob just divided everything he had. Come on, there's times in my life I've looked and I said, I don't know what will be left. By the time the enemy gets done ravaging what he's doing, I don't know what I'm going to have left. But I'm making preparations that whatever it is, God, I'm going to do the best I can. And he's got it divided up into two groups. And now as it's divided up into two groups, Jacob takes those things that are the most precious to him, his wives, his kids, and he takes them and he sends them over. I'm going to tell you, he was in a place where he said, you know what? I'm fixing to die. Brother Edwin, he didn't know what was going to happen in that midnight hour. And by the way, if you've, been, if you've been keeping up today, you were all over what I was feeling this morning when you were leading this service. You were in the, in the vein. Right there in that place where he needed deliverance in that midnight hour. And the scripture says that he was alone. But there, in the midnight hour, there while he's alone, the scripture tells us that there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Continue on, verse number 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, as he wrestled with him. Just hold that scripture right there. We'll move forward in just a minute. But it tells us that Jacob there alone, all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord has showed up to where he's at. In that place, the angel of the Lord came to him and began a wrestling match with Jacob. A wrestling match in his life. Right there by the brook. He was wrestling with God. Continue on, verse number 26. He said, let me go for the day breaketh. And Jacob looked at him and he said, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. Except you bless me. Continue on. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said unto him, Jacob. Now I want you to look with me and I want you to understand what's happening here. Jacob has found himself in the most darkest moment of his life. He's found himself in the moment that he doesn't know what tomorrow is going to bring, how he's going to get through this. And he grabs a hold of the angel of the Lord and he's saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go till you do something in my life. And God had a question for him. 
The angel of the Lord had a question, and he looked at him, and he said, I want to know what your name is. The first thing that he asked him, Bishop Pitts, was what his name was. And I'm going to tell you that I don't see in the Word of God where Jacob ever hesitated in telling him what his name was. Now, we understand that he said, my name is Jacob, but we also know what Jacob meant. So you really want to know what he was telling God? He had a hold of God. He was wrestling with him. He was saying, I'm not going to let you go. Do you bless me? And God said, what's your name? And Jacob said, I'm a deceiver. He said, I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. I'm not truthful. I've made mistakes. I hadn't been what I needed to be. I'm a deceiver. My name is Jacob. With probably a certain amount of confidence. And I can't imagine... Even looking at this any more plain than what we can see this. But I can only see that God would have to have looked at me and said, right answer, son. How many times have we found ourselves in situations where we really needed God? And we did the complete opposite of what Jacob did. Because we came in church on Sunday. And we put our church clothes on. And we grabbed our Bible. And we said, I've got some needs in my life because we all go to church when we have needs, right? So we don't have needs that we hit snooze over and over. But when we have needs, we show up to church. And we came in, and, and, and I'm telling you what, we walked in and said, God, I got a need. And if we could have seen it in the spiritual eyes, when God asked us, what's your name? We walked in and said, I'm a church guy. I've got my suit on. I know how to do this. I know how to come in and get what it is I need. That's not what Jacob did. Jacob didn't look and say, hey, I'm the son of Isaac. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I'm of the seed of Abraham. That's not what he said. He looked at God when he was wrestling with him, and he said, I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. That's all I am. And that's what he was saying when he confessed that his name was Jacob. What would happen if we really confessed who we are today? What would happen if we really confessed who we are? What does Pastor Britt say? You might can fool the pastor sometime. You might. But you'll never fool God. You'll never fool him. The scripture we read earlier, speaking of God, said that he knew exactly where we were. He knows the thought and the intent of our heart. He knows who you are. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what's happening in you, around you. And through you. And he said, my name is Jacob. Continue on, verse number 28. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and men, and hast prevailed. Verse number 29. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou doest ask after my name? And I'm here to tell you, we could probably get into some theology right here because we do understand that God was there, as Brother Jones and I discussed this morning, as a theophany or as the angel of the Lord that was, uh, that was discussing this with him. But it would be years down the road when God came to this world and was manifest in the flesh and we would truly understand what that name is that we do have the blessing to be able to call on today.
And Jacob said, what's your name? And he said, why do you ask after my name? But the scripture said that he blessed him there. He blessed him there. He was blessed. He was blessed in his struggle with God. He blessed him there. God wants to bless you. God wants to bring you out. God wants to set you free. But the struggle that you're in was not sent to kill you and was not sent to destroy you. But the Esau in your life is there with the threatenings in order for you to grab a hold of God. And say, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I wonder if the musicians go ahead and start making their way. And I'm going to find a place to close here shortly. But he was blessed in his struggle with God. The place. It's in the struggle. Somebody say struggle. It's in the fight. Somebody say fight. It's the place where you get a hold of God and you say, I am not letting you go. But I gotta have you. It's desperation. It's desperation that says, I need an answer in my life. It's desperation that says, I can't go another day the way I'm going. Brother Tim, it's unanswered questions. It's desires. It's things that move where we say, I can't continue on the way that I've gone. You see, the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. And it's when you are out of options that God is able to work in your life. It's when you've taken all that you have and you've divided it up into two groups. It's when you start making an escape plan. It's when you start saying, how can I get out of this thing alive? Or will I get out of this thing alive? That we're reaching the place that God can move in your life. I'm talking to people right now who had no intention of visiting an altar on Sunday, July 18th in the year 2021. People who had no intention of making a change in your life on this Sunday. But when your life is threatened and you have nowhere else to go, you're reaching the place that God can move in your life. I remember I reached a, a time in my life where I'd been hurt. 
I didn't plan on saying any of these things today. But some things that happened and transpired that begin to snowball and escalate. And you got to understand, you ever seen a dog that's been hurt and maybe run over? And I'm going to tell you, as a, as a word of caution, you see a little animal that's been hit, don't go up and start, it's been hit by a car, don't go up and start trying to pet on it and make sure it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay because that thing will turn around and bite you because it's been wounded and it don't understand what's happening, what's going on. And for us, so many times, it's these messed up parts, what we call the messed up parts of our life. They get in there and mess our thinking up. Gets us out of kilter and what we're supposed to be doing. And because now we've got our mind messed up, the decision that we make, the next time we have to make a decision might not always be the best decision. But then we make that decision. We're suffering the consequences of that. And then we come to the next decision to be made. And it begins to escalate. And we find ourselves, and then we look and we say, How? Did I get here? How did I find this place? I remember being so hurt. So messed up. Just, I got in my car. I drove seven hours to go see Bishop Carney before he passed away. I sat in his office about 30 minutes, an hour. This is back a few years ago. He was still, still with us. I went seven hours, seven hours to go sit in his office, Brother Sparks, so he could look at me and tell me everything was still going to be okay. That God could still touch me. That God could still. And when he got done encouraging me, I drove home seven hours, 14 hours. For somebody to look at me and say it can still be okay. But I'm here to tell you that God is talking to somebody today. You're not going to have to drive seven hours to go get a word for somebody to tell you that things can be okay in your life. But he sent me today, I promise. You say, Brother Smith, I know you're talking to everybody, but you're not talking to me because you just don't understand. I do understand. You're the one God is talking to. He can do it for everybody else, but he can't do it for my situation because you just don't understand. I do understand. You're the one God's talking to. You're the one. Because there are times that the hurts and the weights and the devastating things that have happened in our past are so hurtful. They're so painful. That we build walls. And we don't let anybody through. Today, God wants through your wall. He wants to go through your wall. I'm not quite done, but I'm going to ask us if we would all stand. And I'm going to ask us to close our eyes as the remainder of 
my comments today. I, I hope we can reverence the Spirit of God that's here and limit activity outside of what's happening in this altar and that we can stay focused on what's happening. But we serve a God that wants to give you a breakthrough. A breakthrough. A breakthrough. But he has to get you to the place where he can do it. I'm telling somebody, you still have a ministry. You still have a ministry. You gave it up. You hung it up. You laid it on the shelf. You said, you know what? I can't go back there. I've messed things up. Things aren't like that. I'm here to tell you, God said, you still have a ministry. I think about the scripture where Peter denied Jesus. Peter denied him. I don't even know who the guy is. Denied him. Jesus' crucifixion. We know the story. Jesus comes back. He meets with the disciples. And we understand he's coming back. And before he's called back up into heaven again. And the statement is made. About going and getting the disciples. He's going to go get Peter and the rest of the disciples. Peter didn't even know if he was still a disciple. Some of us don't even know if we're still a Christian. We don't know if we're still in relation. I'm here to tell you that God is reaching for you and God wants to touch you today. But He's only going to touch you at the point of your struggle. And I'm going to tell you the most heartbreaking thing. The record over, I'm just going to tell you something heartbreaking. I've prayed for this message I've fasted for this message for you I'm not saying that to brag I'm telling you because I want to see God break the yoke God come in and set somebody free and right now I am literally terrified because after I poured my heart out to you after I've after I've poured my soul out and given you everything that I have and everything that I can give and God presenting anything to you that he can offer. Here in just a moment, I'll have to come to this altar and accept the fact that there are going to be those that make a decision to walk out of this place the same way that he came. And there was nothing, nothing that I could do. It's going to just cast it over your shoulder like one more service. One more in the collection of the messages that we hear at Sanctuary Community Church. But my prayer, my prayer, if it could be one, if it could be someone that would say, you know what? I'm going to make up my mind that I'm going to go to the altar. And then I'm going to wrestle. And I'm going to see God bless me. You don't know who all I'm preaching to? I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I said it the other day. I said, God, you know what? Pastor Britt's not here to preach, for, preach to me Sunday. But there's things in my life that I've got to go in there. And I've got to have a change. Because I can't make it another day. 
dealing with this, dealing with that. So I ask you today the question, and that's who's going to let God do it? Who's going to let God come down and heal things in you that need to be healed? Who's going to let God come down and touch things in you that need to be touched? Who is going to allow God to give you a breakthrough today? Could you close your eyes? Could you lift your hands one more time?